evening, everybody. So hotly anticipated tonight. Um, it's a fight night um, with Viv from Skin Farmer. So uh, what we're going to discuss today is the importance of um, choosing your practitioner. And what I'm just going to do is just turn down my lighting a little bit because it's a little bit strong and it's making my uh, eye bags uh, stand out. So um, good evening, Roddy. I'm just going to wait for Viv to join us. And tonight's topic, oh, there we are. Viv is joining us as I, as I went down to get the you know, light switch. We are hopefully joined by Viv. So hopefully internet's working. We will have, and there he is. Hi, how are you doing, Sonny? Uh, good evening. Viv, just before we start, I've got a yeah. little, uh, something to make you laugh to start you off with. <laughs> it's great. You've got you've got sound effects as well. You, you you're improving your your I've, lives every time. I've regressed to the to the nineties, haven't I? I've regressed to the nineties with adding yeah. sound effects to my lives. Look, yeah. I'll just turn the light up a little bit. I won't be sexy. No problem. So uh, for those of you joining us, um, I'm joined by Viv from Skin Farmer. So Viv is based up north. Um, we've done a live before, and uh, it's going to be probably a twelve rounder again because last time we spoke, we spoke for we spoke for an hour. Um, bearing in mind, I'm sure we've both got families to join who are probably waiting to have dinner with us. So um, yeah. today we're going to talk about choosing your aesthetic practitioner. And on a serious note, because we've suckered you all in with the signalling, which was fight night. I'm a doctor, Viv is a pharmacist, and we both do aesthetics. And we're going to talk about choosing your, the right practitioner. And we're yeah. going to start off by putting this controversy to bed. To bed. But before we start, Viv, just introduce yourself to everyone that's uh, joined us. I will. Before we do, before I do that, let me just get our sponsors. We've got to, we've got to get our sponsors in, Sonny. Now. Can you see that? Um, BMA. BMA, and I thought we'll, yes. we'll throw in the um, the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in as well there. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, look, that's first punch to you, getting the uh, Royal Pharmaceutical Society in. I'm not going to bit... I'm a member of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. They're not sponsoring us, but I thought just to throw in a little bit of fun, we'll throw in their professional bodies into the argument as well. <laughs> no but I'm, I'm, as you say, I'm a clinical pharmacist prescriber. I've been working in the NHS for ooh, 28, 29 years almost now. So I've done um, work at uni I've worked at university. I've um, done training. Um, I graduated at Sunderland up in the northeast doing pharmacy. I did postgraduate work at uh, Keele University a number of times. I've been on research ethics committees in the Northeast, so I, I've scrutinised the work that the healthcare practitioners do as part of the NHS. I did that some years back, and I'm now doing full-time aesthetic work, and that came about uh, by accident, purely by accident, about 45 years back. I was involved in a project in the Northeast looking at how effective pharmacists could be within um, a GP practice, you know, to see how useful we could be. Yeah. And that started as a pilot project um, about five years back in the Northeast. And it worked so well. Um, the NHS used the results from that and actually implemented um, the rollout of pharmacists across the country to work in GP practices. And that was around about five years back now. So, because of that, I ended up starting doing um, prescriber training and I was going to carry on with that in the NHS. But out of the blue, somebody said to me, Viv, why don't you do something like aesthetics? And I didn't have a clue, no idea what aesthetics was at the time. Did a bit of research, spoke to a few people, looked at training and I ended up doing training, um, you know, basic training, looking at injectables in particular. And... It's grown for the last five years. I've been doing more work, more training. And then I've get, I get to meet people like you, don't I, as well, in the course of doing that? Unlucky, unlucky. <laughs> Can't get you. Yeah, we come across your path. We just, uh, we just latch on, don't we, people like me? Yeah, well, you're a nice bloke. I, I enjoy talking to you. But I, I, it, it's not that we end, 
we didn't intend fighting. We don't intend fighting tonight about anything to do with our, or, well, not, not, we'll wait, we'll, we'll, we'll wait until till we get to the end. <laughs> but it was really to do, I think, it was to do with the fact that we both are healthcare professionals and that's how I've got into my work. And you've, you've got a great story about how you've progressed in, in the healthcare profession that you're in, haven't you, Sonny? So for those of you who don't know me, for, for example, um, you're going, you know, you might have joined from Viv's sort of live and joined from there. So I'm a, my background is general practice. I was in the army for 16 years and about, again, similar sort of time, actually, Viv, to you about five or six years ago, I wanted yeah. to do something a bit different to my sort of normal practice in, in the army, although I don't even call it normal. And I decided to go down the aesthetics training route. So over, you know, over the past sort of five or six years, a lot of hands-on training, meeting people like yourself, networking. And from there, I think we've both realized something, which is the, the kind of the initial topic for today, is that there is a lot of controversy in our industry. Um, you yeah. know, aesthetics, if it's in the media, is often portrayed in a very negative view. You know, if you think lip fillers or fillers, it's always big lips, unbalanced faces. And that stems from the fact that aesthetics is quite it's unregulated. So as, yeah. um, as someone said to me once, you know, don't, don't hate the player, hate the game. The game is the aesthetics industry. The players are whoever they are. If they play yeah. well or they don't play well, that's not what we're here today to discuss. What we're here today to put to bed is that our focus about choosing the right practitioner. So for those of you who are practitioners yourselves or who are thinking about having um, treatments or even, you know, we've had treatment for one of us, my focus is that, and this focus is about choosing the right healthcare professional. It doesn't matter who the healthcare professional is as long as they're registered. And we're going to go into that in a bit more detail. So in answer yeah. to your question, Viv, yeah, um, a very you know, interesting routine, military practice, left the army two years ago. Yeah. Who, who would have thought that um, if someone said to me, yeah, you're going to give up your regular salary job in the army, and you're gonna, there's gonna be a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. I would have said you're 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 uh, smoking some wacky backy, and you know you'd be watching too many films like Contagion or something along those lines. But anyway, it happened. And when are you gonna? When are you going to reopen, Viv? That's the big question. I'm gonna be uh, well. Since lockdown, I've been doing uh, online consultations, you know, using uh, the likes of Zoom, and um, it's worked really well. I've been speaking to a lot of clients I've had previously and a lot of new clients as well and it's um, it's been useful to be able to get information from clients about what they're looking for and to do with you know what I can do for them how can I help answer a question and how how can I help them with the problem that they have so the that started last year after March I did that quite quickly after lockdown started um, and Lockdown carried on for a good while. I started again in the summer, like most people, I did work. And then again, lockdown's been going on for a while. So I'll be starting up again from April from next month. So it's going to be um, it's going to be odd. I think this last lockdown's bit been more difficult in terms of normal life routines and carrying on with your normal work especially with me when I, when this is the work I do fully I do full-time aesthetic work if you've got other NHS work suppose it's a little bit different for you perhaps in the different roles you have um, but I think it's been a difficult time these last couple of months for me um, but I've enjoyed being able to speak to my clients new clients and old and again trying trying to speak to people like you about the work that we do it's been useful and i've spoken to a lot of different practitioners over the last few months and over the last year um to find out how how work has been for them and how they've progressed with starting up again next month so i'll be starting up full time uh from april the 12th good so that i mean that leads me nicely into the next question so yeah i'm i'm you know, fingers crossed that it's safe to open. We'll open on the on the twelfth of April, and we've already started signalling to our our clients, yeah. new clients, new patients, old patients. But I think you've touched on something that's really important there. That's part of as a customer, as a client, as a patient. What are you looking for in a, in the practitioner? What what is it that we can help you with tonight about choosing a practitioner? So it's not, I mean, yes, I have another role as a GP and I've been doing uh, GP locuming or one-on-one -on -one triage. Um, but in the meantime, both of us 
we are very acutely aware that we're going to get appraised. So for those of you who don't know, appraisal is that every year, those of us who are registered healthcare professionals have to speak to a colleague, an appraiser, and explain to them what we've been doing for the past year in our job role. So yeah. what you don't see behind the scenes for, 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 for a lot of us in, in our network is that we have been training. I have tried to do some physical training as well. The six packs just not going to get there right now. But in terms of mental and vocational training, in terms of aesthetics, Viv, what have you been doing? Because you've got some exciting mentors in your, in your back pocket. I've got a whole load of people that I speak to regularly and ad hoc, you know, time from time to time. Um, again, it's been difficult with face-to-face -face training, doing practical aesthetics training, learning about new techniques. That's been difficult because of the problems of COVID, as, as you've found yourself. Um, so online work, I've been doing online training. I've been looking at um, providing training for others as well with, with Claire from Butterfly Aesthetics. We've been looking at how we can develop not only our own work together, but also help others, like, like people like yourself, you know, get into the area of specific training, a specific training for very specific aesthetics work. So I still have to do annually, I've got to do revalidation, and I'm a member of the GPHC, the um, you know, pharmacy body that, that regulates pharmacists in the UK. So I've got to revalidate annually, and I've got to do write-ups, I've got to record what I do, and I've got to submit that every year, and that's part of the work I do as a pharmacist. Um, because I work full-time as a pharmacist, as an aesthetics pharmacist, I can revalidate with the work I do in my aesthetics field. So people I speak to, other practitioners like yourself, I speak to a whole load of different healthcare practitioners about the work that I do. And I revalidate um, for other people as well so people can speak to me and reflect on what they've done by talking to me. So I've been doing training. I've been doing a lot of online training. I've been doing work to do with lip augmentation. I'm currently looking into um, the use of ultrasound. It's a completely new area of practice. But ultrasound, a lot of people would be used to that with having babies, you know, use ultrasound scanners as pregnant women have checks every so often. But those scanners are now available in a very small handheld form and they can be used to detect um, areas around the face where there's blood flow and where there's problems following a treatment. Um, so there's a lot of research that's been going on in the Netherlands of all places. And I speak to uh, Tom, Tom Van Eyck, he's a famous uh, Dutchman who's an aesthetic specialist. And I was being, I've been talking to him about the actual work that's been going on in the Netherlands, looking at ultrasound assessment during aesthetic work and also fixing problems. You know, you get a lot of problems in the world of aesthetics. Um, I see problems a lot, particularly this last year, I've seen different sorts of issues um, and things like ultrasound could help in future trying to diagnose a problem and also minimize the risk of it happening in the first place as well. So I, I'm continually, continually learning, just like you. Um, and it never stops. You've got to continually learn and improve what you do to make ultimately life safer for your patient. That's what I think. No, I mean, that's, that, that's innovation in itself, isn't it? I mean, you, for those who are, who, who are listening or watching in, what, what Viv's described is using existing technology that in the medical industry, ultrasound, and then taking it and applying it to his speciality. Because again, behind the scenes, what we're thinking is, what can we do to make the patient journey, the client journey, the client experience safer, better? How can we improve it? And one of those things is thinking of innovation. So I mean, ultrasound to detect vascular occlusions or vascular damage, it is amazing. And obviously, if you add Doppler into that again, then you can see blood flow. Uh, Doppler, for anyone, those who are, um, are wondering what Doppler is, Doppler is um, using a, measuring the flow um, yes. of blood, which way it's going. So, for example, if a blood vessel is blocked, there's not going to be any flow in there. And ultrasound, the Doppler can determine that. So what Viv's really articulated there, everyone, is that it's innovation. So not only does your practitioner have to be open, openness, is one of our core values for Visana, um, right. and I'm sure it is for Skin Farmer as well. But it's also innovation, um, and but keeping things simple. So yes, yeah. we're taking technology that might be complicated, but what we're doing is then um, applying it 
and making it simple for the patient to understand. But if we've got a question actually from um, someone, it's Auramji, and it's any advice to someone thinking about starting up aesthetics training in the current climate? I'm a pharmacist. Well, you know, go on, go on, yeah, do, you wanna, no, do you wanna answer that? I'd answer that in the same way as I would for any healthcare practitioner. You basically, you've not got the experience of what's involved in aesthetics. So find out from somebody who does, it's the simplest way. Don't go jumping on courses, Unless it's mine, of course, unless you're an advanced practitioner, you want to do little authentic. But I mean, if you're, a, <laughs> if you're a beginner and you are wanting to find out what it's like to get into the area of aesthetics, speak to people who do it. You know, don't just jump onto the bandwagon and go for training that will give you a whole load of ability to do um, injectables, Botox and filler types of tra treatments. Find out about it first. Find out from people that are doing it, what it's been like. It's not as easy as people might think. People think, oh, aesthetics, money. You know, people want to get the face treated and they're willing to pay for it. Some aren't, some aren't. But the thing is, ultimately, it's about what you can do for someone in the best way possible, in the safest, most effective way as a practitioner and as a healthcare practitioner. Every client is also your patient because healthcare practitioners have a, a duty of care to people that they see. So what I would say to somebody want, wanting to look at the field of aesthetics from, from a, a, a new, as a new area of work starting afresh, speak to someone, speak to people like us, get in touch with us, ask us questions. Perhaps we'll do another live in the future looking at starting up in aesthetics. I don't know. It's one of the things we were talking about, four-way lives. And yeah. I was talking to Sonny and a few other practitioners about maybe in the future, in the next few weeks, doing a four-way live on Instagram. And we could maybe tell um, the public and people that are asking questions about the work we do. We could ask, we could mention about how we started and what could help others get into the area like we did from when, when we first started. So I, I think the, the, it always seems to us when, because we operate in a bubble of aesthetics and I mean, aesthetics in, in terms of uh, fellow healthcare professionals, it's quite small. You know, you, you see the same faces, you, you, you see the same names. But I guess that's because as healthcare professionals, we join, you know, re relevant networks, uh, Facebook groups. I mean, one of the ones that um, we both are uh, a member of is Aesthetic Entrepreneurs. It's a really good group. Um, there's, a, there's a staged progression in introducing to the business side of aesthetics, because I think as a healthcare professional, most of us are competent in the kind of basic skills required, but aesthetics is so much more, and which is why, you know, Rutland Aesthetics has evolved into Vasana to reflect that holistic approach. But bringing it back to more about choosing the right practitioner or, and, and helping those of us who are practitioners. Okay, so we've, we've, we're trying to put to bed the controversy between whether it's a doctor, whether it's a nurse, whether it's a pharmacist, um, whether it's a paramedic. Look, those healthcare professional who is registered with an official body as a duty of care, and because of that duty of care, they will be responsible for what they're doing. So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna move on from that. So first, and I'll produce a checklist at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are interested, check, check number one, healthcare professional, and then checkpoint two, um, or box two is are they registered with a official body um yeah. let's do it in reverse so that i don't big up the gmc first of all so <laughs> and nmc for our nursing colleagues out there nurse yeah. uh, nursing and midwifery council gphc uh, gphc for pharmacists pharmacist. we've got we've got GM other healthcare professionals as well we've got as, as you've said we've got paramedics we've got um um odps OPD, I can't remember the title, ODPs. ODPs. We've, got, we've got different practitioners and there's a lot more of them that, that are involved in the world of aesthetics and they are regulated by their own body, the HCPC as well, and they're very effective in doing not just work in the NHS but aesthetics work as well just like we are. Um, it boils down to regulation ultimately. The regulator looks at the work we do and we have to be accountable for that. And that's what well, I think I, I think if, if those of us those I, I can I can hear it already in the background. I, my ears are pricking up that in fact this is the problem with the aesthetics industry is that although so as a healthcare professional, let's take the GMC for example you know, they are there to protect patients. Uh, we are a member of that body. 
Now, are the GMC interested in aesthetic practice? There's no official guidance from them, but then there are actually other bodies that are around, for example, like uh, independent bodies. So there's the JCCP and then there's Safe Face. So I think rather than us, um, so that one of the, I'll get distracted by comments, so I'll, I'll pause. Yeah, yeah. So let's, what we're gonna do is move on from there because I know what will happen is we will not mention one speciality but yeah. um, a little story, you know, I, we had to go to a um, minor injuries unit for a, a, a family problem, an illness. And the, the consultant there was a consultant paramedic, not yeah. a GP, not a nurse, consultant paramedic, yeah. you know, amazing bedside manner, really yeah. good um, care. So it just goes to show that those of us who are conscientious, healthcare professionals will train the right way. But Viv, we're going to go on to some stories because um, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is where I'm going to have to, I'm going to rein you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it is a fight after all. It is a boxing match. So you must have to rein me in at some point, I assume. I'm not going to back you into a corner because you'll come out swinging. But uh, <laughs> tell us, so the past year has been difficult because of lockdown and opening. And I think let's start off the story with we have both come across patients coming to us, asking us yeah. that they have had problems with treatments that they've had during lockdown. Obviously, our clinics were closed. Yeah. They've had treatment somewhere, but for whatever reason, you know, it wasn't being rectified. So you've come across that in, in, your, in, your, in your neck of the woods. So go on. Yeah, I'll, let, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you run free with this one for a few minutes. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, um, it's... You know, I do, I do aesthetics work. I've been doing it full-time for the last four or five years. And um, I'm, a, I'm a clinical pharmacist prescriber as well, so I diagnose different issues and I can prescribe for all those problems. So I treat my own clients, but I see lots of new clients as well. And over this last year, it's been the worst year for me personally to come across botched treatments. I've never, ever, pre prior to last August... I've never seen so many treatments that have been botched and I didn't go out looking for them. I was getting call and email and message after message from different clients, new clients, people I've never ne never seen previously, asking if they can come and show me a problem. Can I fix it? Can I fix a problem they've undergone somewhere else? I don't know where they've had the problem. I don't know who created it. I've got no idea. They don't know some of the information. They're not willing to tell me some of it. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter. The fact is they've got a problem that needs sorting out. Now, the NHS won't class um, an aesthetics problem as an NHS problem because it's something that the person decided to have for themselves. If it's a medically related problem, if it's affecting their health in some way, then the NHS would get involved. But usually that doesn't happen straight away. That might happen over, over time. Um, so I, uh, this, this issue, this particular example has happened multiple times to me last summer. So one particular occasion, a girl, young girl, 18 year old, she had only just turned 18 and she got in touch with me and she said, can you help me? I've had a problem with some facial work, with some treatments. So um, I did a video consultation with her and she had completely botched lips. Um, her lips were completely messed up. And she showed me a picture of how she looked before. And I could see her live on the call to seeing how she looked at that moment in time. And it was just unbelievably bad at what somebody must have unfortunately have done to cause that problem. And that issue continued again and again. It wasn't a one-off. But for that particular girl, she ended up coming into the clinic. This was after August. I saw her, I went through a full consultation online with her, spent about an hour, over an hour, talking to her and finding out what happened, finding out the background behind the issue. She came in, I assessed her, I looked at, the, looked at her lips, um, problems, bruising, she had initial bruising, she had filler that was in the wrong place. It unfortunately needed treatment, she needed um, dissolution, but she also needed antibiotic treatment as well. And she had the work when she was 17, um, oh, wow. It's not illegal to have work under the age of 18, but there's, there's a law, a bill being passed right now through Parliament to try and reduce the risk of, of uh, children having aesthetic work. And that, unfortunately, legally, under 18s can legally have it, 
And I find that ridiculous. But anyway, she um, came to me, assessed her. I ended up having to um, dissolve the tree, dissolve the filler, use antibiotic treatment to, to ease infection that, that had occurred. And she needed work over a period of time. So she ended up having retreatment. And over a period of time, she's finally got the lip she wanted. And she's really grateful for the fact that somebody like me could help her. Um, whoever did the work, whatever background they have, they were unable to do the work properly. Um, people make mistakes. You make mistakes. I make, make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I make mistakes. Sorry, it must be somebody <laughs> else's. <laughs> I'm confusing you with another doctor. I know. I'm sorry. You've got similar names. I make, I make mistakes. I make mistakes. But it's not about the mistakes. In my, in, in my head, it's not the fact that the mistakes go. It's what you do about it that counts. So yes. Do you act professionally? Do you act caringly? And do you act safely to fix a problem? Sometimes you, I can't fix every problem. Sometimes I have to, um, I have to pass that patient on to someone else. And as healthcare professionals working in the NHS, we know we can't deal with everything. We have to refer patients onwards to somebody that knows about fixing that problem. And I think I think that's the really important thing there, Viv. So I'm I'm just going to. So KHD Aesthetics um, just pointed out that aesthetics actually can be quite a lonely career path yeah. because if you're a yeah. single-handed practice, you know, unless you're networking and doing this sort of thing and talking to people, and I think actually most of us you know, who are in, in this kind of wider forum do talk to each other. But it yeah. is a lonely practice. But the importance of what um, Viv is saying there is that, look, if you're choosing a healthcare professional, you're not really just choosing one healthcare professional, you're actually choosing a team because behind that one person, they will have colleagues, they will have friends yeah. who will support them in the event yeah. that um, they need, not only if they need help if something is going wrong, but actually, for example, if I have a patient who has has had cleft has had a cleft lip i know exactly who i'm going to consult with first i'm going to speak to you and then i'm going to potentially say look this is a very specialist um, you know if you've got scarred lips you need yeah. to go and see a specialist now you could go and see viv in um up north or we'll have other colleagues that specialize it you know so when yeah. you're when you're choosing a healthcare professional those of you watching you're actually choosing a network um yeah. you're choosing a network of individuals who collectively make up a very strong um, strong support for any patient wanting to have yeah. a filler. Um, Balsam's dying to, you know, she's dropping comments left, right and centre. Uh, so she, Balsam, I'll, I'll, I'll give her a shout out. So she's saying, this is Dermafine Skin Clinic. Um, it's about rescue and recovery, not the damage. If we can't clear up our crap, don't dump. To so see the journey through from A to Z, that's the practitioner you choose. Yeah, Balsam, eloquently put. So uh, yeah. yeah so, as we as as um we get distracted so the point is is that you're choosing a healthcare professional you're choosing someone who's registered with an official body and then you're choosing someone who can who can think outside the box but also they yeah. know their limitations yeah. so I mean, that's a really happy nice ending and that that's yeah. not always the case uh for me yes i've had an uptick in inquiries as well uh i don't you know, I've had to kind of stand firm a little bit and say, well, look, we can treat when we're open. If it was an emergency and it was in my yeah. neighborhood, then obviously, and I know, and I know that that does happen and we've seen it, but rather than focusing on um, the, the, the botched elements of it, let's move on to uh, the, we've, we've gone, we've spoken about consultation. We've spoken about some stories that, you know, the sort of more negative aspects maybe, or, and then turning it into a positive. Yeah. But, just, just get a little bit more story about your patient journey so how do you how do you follow up after you've done a treatment viv like what do you what what do your patients expect from you once they've had treatment they, well it, it starts before i even do a treatment the whole journey starts before i even see them face to face for me the consultation is the most important part of any treatment because if you don't understand what the problem is you're never going to be able to solve it so for me you need to advise the patient based on what they've told you. So you need to ask the right questions to get the right information from them. So I go through an initial video consultation with, with every client now, whether they're existing clients or new clients, I always go through a video consultation. And by doing that, I can find out as much information as I need 
to help them and to answer whatever questions they've got. Um, so when I when I do that, I explain the I explain what I can do for them based on the problem or the problems that they've got. Um, they've got a better idea of how I can help them. If I can't help them, as I say, I may refer them on to someone else. But when they are happy, only then will I actually carry out the treatment and see them maybe for assessment prior to any treatment. Um, once, I've, once I see them and carry out the work, they've already got a whole load of info without me having to follow up on them in the same way I would have when perhaps I first started. So they've got full access to my information, and my knowledge, whenever they need them, contact me at any point. I usually speak to them within a few days. I do another video call or send them a text or give them a phone call. I contact them, make sure there's no problems, make sure they're happy. And then it's, period, it's over a period of time. You try and keep up with any changes, anything that might be affecting their life. And with lockdown in particular, people have been very lonely. They've not been able to see the people that they normally do. They can't see practitioners like us face to face as easily. But we're still around to be able to be able to help them and answer any problems and questions they may have. So for me, it starts with an initial thorough consultation give them all the info that they need, find out what the problem is, yeah. go through all the steps required to do the treatment properly. Sometimes you might need to put it off. You may not be able to do the treatment when you've seen them. So in new clients, what I tend to do, I, mean, I tend to get them to come in when I can see them. Just for an assessment, I won't even do a treatment. I'll just look at them. And they can ask me some questions. Not, I don't spend forever doing that because you're minimizing contact time. But I try and assess them. If I'm happy to do the treatment, I'll do it there and then. Otherwise, I'll say, you know what? I need to just check on a few things. And I will tell them that in the consultation before they even come in. So I'm not springing any surprises on them. Um, you need to just be communicative with people. You need to make sure they're happy. You need to know what they have to understand. They have to understand certain things. Safety is my main concern. So problems to do with vascular occlusion, I go through very thoroughly with them. Infection, all the aftercare issues related to injectables, I go through that prior during and after. I don't do it once, I do it three times. Um, yeah. They get bored of it, especially the ones that come to me every few months for treatments because I keep hammering the same info into the heads. Um, but I tend to have far less problems because I do that. I keep track of them and I've got a full story of work I've done for them. So if they then at some point in the future say to me, oh Viv, um, you know you said this six months back, what do you think now? And they'll send me a photo. I'll look on the record, which is what we have to do, keep records of all the work we do. And when I do that, it's far easier for me to be able to plan the next step. So patients I have are on a treatment plan. I know what stage of treatment they're, they're at, and I can plan ongoing treatment based on what's been done previously. And that's one of the things we do as healthcare practitioners. We have to plan our work and advise the patient accordingly. That's, I mean, that's brilliant. So just I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing for anyone who's wondering uh, why I'm looking down, I'm actually writing down a checklist as we're going through this. So Viv and I have discussed healthcare professional, if you're going to go down the aesthetic route, if you've got skin concerns, you've got rejuvenation concerns, then, or you've, you're, in, you're inquisitive, you want to explore what's available, then, you know, we'd like you to, we'd recommend choosing a healthcare professional, you know, with a registered body. Um, the consultation, anyone, anyone from, I, I guess I can only speak for ourselves, Viv, is that, you know, we will yeah. always do a consultation. Yeah. But, that got, but that consultation is the start of a patient journey. And that patient journey leads into a treatment plan, which Viv has articulated there. So what, what's happening is that as a, for, for, for clients, for patients, as they initially um, find us on whichever route they take, you know, Google or word of mouth, it's not so much that we want our patients to come to us with, they might come to us with a concern um, and they might have just seen before and afters because the, the internet is saturated with that. But yeah. actually, you know, for us, it's, it's, we're trying to produce a natural result. We want to make someone who's 60 look the best they can be for 60. We want someone who looks in their 40s look like the best they can in their 40s. A byproduct of some of what we do through, you know, understanding what the patient wants is that yes you do look younger 
and that's just the byproduct. It's not the aim necessarily. Yeah. And then again, you know, you've spoken about that yeah, young girl who's 17 or 20. You know, it's really important to have a consultation with your practitioner that's not connected to the actual treatment day. Because what yes. will happen is, what will happen is that you'll go through that consultation and they will, someone like myself or Viv will identify that actually, you know what, there isn't much we actually need to do. You know, you're beautiful yes. as you are. Yeah. And what I would recommend, and I've said this to people sometimes who are younger, I said, look, come back in, you know, in five years time, but um, come back in five years time, that's when you may need, that's when we yes. need to do. But in the meantime, let's focus on prevention. So yeah. for those who are watching, healthcare professional, registered body, consultation's important, the experience, Viv has very clearly, let, you know, he lays out for his patients a treatment plan and then follow up because, you know, you know exactly the stage where your patients are. So moving on a little bit, Viv. So the, you know, what's, what's the plan then for Skin Pharma? Because I know that you've got plans for uh, training. So maybe when, um, so when patients are coming in, actually, let's switch yeah. back a little bit. You know, we can talk yeah. about ourselves the, uh, to the cows come home. But in terms of the patients, they're probably, you know, they, they will go home and they'll, they'll wonder about what other treatments yeah. are available. So yeah. that, I think that's the opportunity for us to talk about innovation. So you've already spoken about ultrasound. Yeah. So when you're, you know, think of a, as if you tell a story about a patient and actually, you know, you, you thought you've come to the end of a treatment, but actually yeah. then you're already forward thinking. What, what sort of things do you sort of then suggest to your patients? Well, as, as, you, as, you've, as you've said, as healthcare professionals, we look at a whole area of work. It's not just about shoving needles in the face. It's about making sure the person is able to live properly and live healthily. So you, you've got a fantastic practice looking at wellness. And I think that's fantastic because it's a whole new way of working. Um, five, ten years ago, that wouldn't be the forefront of your work. You'd be more interested in the, the standard practice of injecting people with needles. Um, but as healthcare practitioners, I as well as you look at not just the, the face, I look at the health of the patient. You go through a medical consultation with all your clients, like I do, and we have to look at the health of the person. Are they on treatment for certain problems? Do they have blood pressure issues? Do they have problems that affect their, their mental state? You know, there's whole loads of factors affecting their need or their, their perce perception of their need for treatment. They may not need it, as, as, as you said, there's a lot of patients I don't think really need what they think they need. And I'm the specialist and it's my job to advise them about that. So when I see patients, I, I try and advise them fully as much as I can. They may come in for the lips, it's not the lips that are really the issue, it might be the confidence, they might be lacking confidence, not small lips. And sometimes I say to women, you know what, here's a picture of a woman I treated who really did have small lips, in my opinion. Now look at your lips, your lips are normal compared to hers. And this is after she had treatment. And it makes people think about what really is important and what isn't. So I tend to look at patients on a journey. I don't just look at them as a one single piece of information at one particular time. I look at them as a journey. So I start at the beginning and I follow them ongoing. So a person might come in for me to do with a filler treatment. They might have a problem with something else. They might really be bothered about acne scarring, yeah. but they won't mention it. And I have to actually bring up the idea of perhaps it's not your lips you're really bothered about, it's you want lips because you don't then concentrate on looking at the acne scarring you've got on your cheeks. So I then look at perhaps maybe treating the, the problem that's really causing the issue for them. And if you can do that, they have far more trust in your abilities. They don't think you're selling something to them. They think you're trying to actually help them, which is the whole idea of being a healthcare practitioner. So I would then perhaps look at treatments that might help with acne scarring. I've got a good idea of what may help them in terms of skin peels, diet, exercise, cosmetics. Like I, as a pharmacist, I am an expert in, in drugs. That's my, that's my basic um, stance. Yeah, I am an yeah, expert in... Drugs or medication? Which one? Medication, dr drugs as well. You can say drugs that are used on the streets. You can say drugs that are used on license. I'm an expert in all areas of treatment, <laughs> medication and drugs. But 
Um, what I'm trying to say is, because of that, I got fed up with the fact that there was people that there's so many brands of cosmetics around. And my background is, is pharmacy. And I know how drugs are produced. I know the formulation needs that go into producing new products. And I, over the last four or five years, I've got so fed up with the fact that people are just buying whatever they think will suit their skin. Yeah. I've gone into the whole idea of producing my own cosmetic products. So I'm now in the process of, of advising clients about, about skincare. And I'll, over the next couple of months, I'll hopefully have my own skincare products out. So that will go hand in hand with treatments that they're using. Um, you know, needle-based treatments, uh, dental fillers, toxin, etc. That will be a part of looking after their skin which may be more of an issue than just the size of the lips. So I try and advise them on a journey. I don't try and advise them as a one-off, with a one-off treatment, because it doesn't help. You need to look at the whole problem and solve it ongoing. Just like just like life, it, it doesn't stop, it continues. And you've got to continue the journey with the patient. And when you do that, people will, will take you as an expert and it'll take you with someone that can fully trust with anything that bothers them and that's how i work that's great viv so for, the, for those of i know some of you have joined us a little bit later so uh viv and i are uh, we were fighting at the beginning kind of but now we're uh, but now we're deep into we're now getting into philosophy of uh, yeah. the, the patient journey so uh, just in summary you know we, we recommend choose a healthcare professional you know are they in a registered body the consultation is really important. Are your, are you, is your practitioner offering you a consultation or leading you straight into treatment? And, you know, when you have that consultation, whether it's paid for or whether you can use it against treatment, that's really up to the practitioner. Uh, you know, what's the experience? What are you getting from that consultation? You know, Viv's articulated about that for, for both of us, it's a holistic approach. You know, if someone comes in and says, I think I want lip fillers, but then by exploring what their actual concern is and discussing it with them, it turns out that actually it's their acne scars. And they thought that by by volumizing their lips or volumizing an area might actually solve that. You know, 50, well, I'm going to say nine times out of 10 people will just say, this is my concern. But leading from that patient experience, as we as we put a treatment plan out there, patients start to fixate on little things. Um, and that's where it's our job to just bring things back into a holistic approach that, you know, we might have, for example, you know, volumized the cheek area, improved the nasal labial folds, uh, volumized and rejuvenated the face. And then, you know, there is a little dent here or there is a little dimple, you know, when you smile, but, but that's all about you. That's what yeah. defines you as a person. And actually, yeah. It's, it's open to discussion and, you know, we try and draw patients away from that. So I think point four is about the, the experience, the treatment plan that your practitioner is offering you. When you're choosing someone, are they saying to you, look, I want you to be a patient for life and I want to be able to plan a treatment yeah. for you, which involves in clinic, giving you skincare, advising you on skincare, advising you on products like Viv, who's a specialist, you know, his, his his specialism is medication and drugs. You know, how do they interact in the skin? They, we know how they're produced. What are you going to use on your skin afterwards? How can, what can we do to increase longevity? How, you know, make what we do in clinic last that bit longer. And that's what you should, that's what I feel you should be looking for in a practitioner. So if I think uh, we're going to, we're going to draw, you know, get into the final round here, the final straight um, <laughs> before one of us collapses. Um, we've talked about we've talked about the the patient journey. That's really what we're describing here. Yeah. And we've talked about the journey onwards. And what so what advice? You know what? Where is actually? I will ask that question. Where is Skin Pharma going? What do you hope to be doing? You know, in a few months' time, you've opened. You've seen your clients. Yeah. What what what's your burning desire now? What what's your goal? What do you want to achieve? I'm, I'm wanting to help others, not just my clients, but also the practitioners. And um, I think for me, specialism is, is how things have changed over perhaps the last year. I've, I've always been interested in lip augmentation. It's always a big area of work for any anyone. Um, but I, in particular, love the fact that it's an art for me. And 
problems associated with lips is what got me more interested in the area of scarring and deformity treatment. So I'm going to be carrying on with specialising in that work. I'm still doing other work as well, but I'm going to try and specialise even further into the area of lip augmentation, providing training as well to practitioners like yourself who are interested in, in improving your, your skills to do certain specific types of work. Um, but I, I also want to perhaps get more involved in training and doing more training myself. So looking at areas like um, ultrasound, that's just a new part of, of treatment progression for me. I may well look at the use of ultrasound to try and help with occlusions. You know, um, if there was a network of practitioners around the country, I think there is more talk of, of networks building up around the country where people are helping each other and trying to help the public as well in an emergency, as you said earlier, you perhaps would be happier referring a client somewhere else. So if a network of practitioners with specific abilities was, was set up and practitioners could refer a client more easily to someone else, it would save a lot of time, it would make things easier for not just the practitioner, but for the member of the public involved with the problem as well. So I think perhaps that might be an area I would look into. Um, my my, um, my mentor, Uche, Dr. Uche, he's um, the tear trough king. He's based in London. He does a lot of work all around the UK and, and he does training for people online as well. He does a lot of excellent work. He's a doctor and he's based in London. Um, but I speak to him about different types of work and about specialising in particular. And he thinks you you need to just progress and do things gradually, but you need a, a goal to, to stick to. And if you can progress towards that goal, you'll get ultimately what you're after. Um, so for me, I, I'm looking into specialising further into lip, lip augmentation work, lip scarring work, deformity treatment, um, and also looking at technology, you know, that goes behind that. And I hope to probably, hopefully, some point this year or next year, get over to Amsterdam to see Tom van Eyck, a world lip specialist, and also a clinic um, that's based in Amsterdam that deals with, um, with the whole issue of detection of, of problems like vascular occlusion using ultrasound. They specialise in use of ultrasound. Um, they have patients referred from other parts of, of the Netherlands to them because they can detect issues with an occlusion far more easily with ultrasound. They can treat it faster, they can treat it more safely, and ultimately it's in the patient's best interest for that to be done. So for me, it's a question of specialising. I'd like to help my clients that I already have. Um, skincare treatments, skincare products of my own, hopefully I'll be bringing out, and that'll help maintain an income for me as well because ultimately it's difficult for anyone working when problems like covid are going on you've got to earn a living so for me if i can help patients in different ways and it helps me as well then great um but i've got i think i've got a lot of knowledge and experience and it's a question of sharing it with other people if you can do that and people can see the benefit you can provide for not just them but for other members of the public as a result of the work, then it helps everyone. And I, I like not just doing things for a small group of people. I like I like being able to share that with others as well. So specialism and looking into the future in terms of technology and specialising, that I think is what I'm interested in. What about you? You've got you must have a lot of plans over this next couple of years. So I've always got plans. I was just listening to um I was listening to a podcast from uh, from Richard Crawford Small from Aesthetic Entrepreneurs, and it you know the, the the definition you know I never really classed myself as an entrepreneur, but you know flitting from one thing to another. So I think my focus my focus is going to be the patients that I have and you know new patients who want to come to clinic. And I think what a lot of people, myself included, are guilty of is that we will will think, okay, well, I'm going to do this treatment, Let, let's say tear troughs, for example. Now, we might have done the training. You know, I, I did, um, you know, I did, I think, about almost a year of on and off hands-on training uh, before mm -hmm. I then saw, well, like, I, I'm, I'm competent, I'm confident in doing tear troughs. And I think even now, I'd like to yeah. go back, I and mean, I saw Dr. Uche's um, training academy, of, you know, giving a shameless plugging here for him. But uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll probably go and visit that training academy because, yeah. you know, it, it's expensive, but that, 
you know, that those nuggets of information you get. So for me, what I want to do over the next few months is we have services that we offer, but I don't think we offer enough information to our patients. And you know, sort of apologizing for that almost now is that what yeah. we'd like to do is make sure that for every service that we offer, when our patients go onto our website, when they come onto Instagram, when whatever social media channel, there's that all that information is there already so yeah. that they are better informed so that when they come to clinic, um, they know exactly what they're going to get. Now I know what I'm going to do for that patient. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the focus. The immediate focus is really focus on service delivery, but have a backstory for that service. And I think for any of the practitioners watching out there, I think you'll find that approach really useful. It is something that I've picked up from um, our coaching group, the aesthetic entrepreneurs and from actually, um, uh, I was introduced to Jason Greystone from Tears of Freedom. So it's yeah. about it's about the patient journey or the customer journey. Yeah. It starts from information and then in clinic, and it doesn't just end there. Yeah. In terms of um, what I want to do, I mean, let, you know, let's shoot for the you, let's shoot. You're going to do some training with me, aren't you, later this year? Hopefully, you might come up to uh, come up to wherever my, no, myself and Claire will be. I, def I definitely will be joining for training. I think my moonshot or my you know, shoot for the stars is longevity medicine. You yeah. know, the, the end result of all of this is that I want my patients, I want to be in my 80s, 90s, potentially still working, um, not looking plastic fantastic, but, you know, yeah. just working and having a really good quality of life. And I want that for all my patients as well. So my burning desire is longevity medicine. You know, it's people who are watching now say, hang on a second, what? Longevity medicine? it's it's um it, it's not it's not to live forever and it's not yeah. to be looking young forever but it's about quality yeah. of life and for me a big part of what we do in clinic is aesthetics because i think it brings you know facial rejuvenation body rejuvenation brings so much confidence and a, a, a good well-being feeling to our patients yeah. and that's that's our cornerstone but around that is providing services that will you know, we can innovate, bring new technologies in. I mean, we're looking at, you know, we're evaluating things like DNA fit, for example, or DNA um, um, typing so that we can see, well, yeah. okay, if we, if we take your DNA as a patient, we process it and we can produce a, um, a spectrum of markers that say, actually, you know, this is what your diet should be. This is how it should be. Yeah. Using technology to do that. Um, I won't jinx myself, but you know we're trying to get medical accreditation. I won't. I won't yeah. say uh, from, from who. Um, you know, it's, it's the national organisation. If we can get yeah. that, we'll be able to do blood tests. We'll be able to really tie in the medical aspect, yeah, the wellness aspect, into you know real preventive medicine with yeah. aesthetics. And for me, that's a marriage made in heaven. I, th I think the, the problem with a lot of practitioners, the existing aesthetics practitioners, is they don't realize the knowledge they already have they think oh aesthetics that's completely different i've got to learn all about that and the yeah. problem is you're wasting your time if you think like that because practice healthcare practitioners are already heavily educated in people already you don't need to do what they don't need to do what they think they may need to do because they've already got skills and abilities that they can use as well as what they think they might need to do. Like they might want to get into dermal fillers and toxin, but they're able to do a whole load of other things that they do in the NHS, which they should use in their work as an aesthetic practitioner. And that's what I do. That's what you do. Um, I think, and I, I, think think, I think unconsciously people do. Um, but I think, I think the focus do you think they do it as it? well as they could, though? Do you think they really use the knowledge, like, like in terms of yourself, you, you're an expert in, in medication, you're ex expert in diagnosis and treatment, and you can use that skill in the patients you see with certain problems. Wellness, you use that to be able to help the patient as much as possible, not just in terms of appearance, I... but their fitness. I think, I think going forward, and you're know, part of your training academy, is um i mean dr sharon's just said that you know completely nailed it yeah agreed we compartmentalize ourselves when we should be integrating yeah. and i think this is a good place to end actually is yeah. that for those of you who watched all the way through thank you so much for joining us we're going to do a little bit of um we'll, we'll do a catch up and i'll go to the comments viv so that uh, we can yeah. answer any questions but i think 
what the conclusion, really good way of concluding this is about that healthcare practitioners can integrate their knowledge. And as they progress, I mean, we're what, five years, six years down the line now. And now yeah. we're, we're, you know, we're just the tip of the iceberg of integration. So, you know, for those of you watching, it's about choosing the right practitioner. It's not about the speciality. It's about, you know, are they a healthcare practitioner? Are they with a registered body? Um, do they offer consultation? Do they offer you a patient experience? Is there a treatment plan that they can propose rather than just a single treatment? Are they using yeah. their healthcare knowledge as a professional to integrate your care in aesthetics and medicine together? And, and Viv, so what um, you will, I mean, the, the quite, a, I never, I never understand this about Instagram, but you know, quite a lot of people joined. Um, yeah. And I actually will be here for another hour, but I'm going to say <laughs> on behalf of Viv and I, thank you so much. Um, Oh, go on, I'll do it. So Maggie joined us. Thank you so much. Lebert Bush joined. Thank you. Skin Farmer. Don't know who that is. Uh, Jade Lee joined. Um, One, One Resort Health World joined as well. So that is Craig. I'm very jealous. You're probably sunning it. Well, it's probably evening now in Dubai. But uh, Craig is a, a tennis coach that um, is passionate about wellness as well. Hopefully I can get him on a live at some point. Donabill81. Yeah. Um, the infamous famous derm refined skin clinic balsam joined us as always thank you so much for your support um jody joined us as well um jody, that's jody uh, butterfly aesthetics that's claire isn't it yeah that's claire yeah uh what's yeah. happening right now everyone is i'm just flicking through and, and almost commenting new derm aesthetics joined Lindsay joined us as well thank you um our woman joined as well uh, be feel free to dm us if you've got any questions about you know wanting to start in the aesthetics world yeah. the medical clinic um my uh, comrade in arms um, in lives, especially uh, Veda Skin Clinic, uh, Dr. Patel joined. KHD Aesthetics, thank you so much for joining. Spatey Cake. Um, I've actually, this one Viv, will interest you. I'm going to have a, an amazing therapist join us, uh, join me tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Right. We're gonna compare lip fillers to permanent yeah. cosmetic makeup. So, Agar, oh, right. Aga is a, um, a, yeah, an amazingly talented um, yeah. permanent cos cosmetic artist. She does micropigmentation. She does micropigmentation. She does nipple reconstruction for uh, women who have had uh, breast cancer, who have had mastectomy. So she will be, I'll be posting that on stories tonight. Yeah. Emma Griffin yeah. joined us. Um, Dr. Abed from Beauty Clinic. Mariana, Mariana PCD. Um, artist laser joined us. Um, Balsam making comments. Um, <laughs> Jody had a little lamb. Carly Kent, who is a very good therapist, one of our Zinzino colleagues down south. Um, Handy Handy Roses joined us as well. Uh, Rebecca Advanced Skin joined us. Nish, uh, Nish, sorry, Nish joined us as well from Nish Clinic. Um, Nish, if, if you're still watching, um, amazing uptake on TikTok, a million views on some of your stuff, amazing. Um, <laughs> Claire M at Team RH joined us. Skin & Co, Katie, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Natalie from um, Haswell Aesthetics Colchester joined us as well. Sarah B293, uh, Caroline Green, thank you so much. Ellie Stevenson, Chloe, oh, I always get, so I always get when they combine names, so Chloe Utonics, Olivia, Rejuvier, Lindsay Hannon, uh, Dr. Sharon Facial Aesthetics joined us as well. Thank you. Uh, Glamour Grandland joined us. Hopkinson Aesthetics. If I've missed anyone, uh, Camero 28 and Cosmetic Perfection joined as well. So from <laughs> our, um, from our, and Little B78 has just joined. So for, for Viv, just I'll, um, I'm just going to summarize for anyone that's joining yeah. us. So we've been choosing, we're talking about choosing the right practitioner. We've got a yeah. little checklist that we'll put on afterwards, but I'll let you have the last word. Um, anything you'd like to add before we sign off? I just think, you know, enjoy what you do and do it as well as you can. And there's people around to help you, you know, not just as members of the public. People can speak to pra practitioners, can speak to themselves, you know, about problems that they have, because it's not just the public. It's also people like us. And there's people always around to help you, whether you're a member of the public or whether you're a practitioner. So make use of that ability and don't be worried about something that, that is very small in comparison 
to the whole area of living. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot bigger problems out there. So don't be worried. En enjoy yourself and get help and support if you need it. Simple as that. And for those, for, for customers and clients and patients who are watching, you know, we've got a checklist. That's our little conclusion for today. You know, choose a healthcare professional. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Choose someone who's a healthcare professional yeah. with a registered body. They provide you with a consultation. They're providing with a patient journey and experience, not just a one-off, potentially not a one-off treatment. There's nothing wrong with one-off treatments, but it's about the patient journey. Um, Balsam, I'll give you the last word then. She's like, is this an Oscar, is, is this an Oscar speech? I haven't thanked God or my family yet, but obviously I can now. I've just said it. Um, Viv, what, what um, I mean, what, we we could we'll we'll plan something again before we open up. Yeah, yeah. I think perhaps maybe something a four way because I was looking at, at uh, the possibility of doing a four way live with two other practitioners, possibly Balson because she seems to enjoy our company. So perhaps we can organise one. Perhaps looking at maybe starting up in the world of aesthetics because there's some people wondering about that. Maybe we should do something about how we all started and how we could possibly help other people that are interested in it as well. Okay, yeah, of course. That that sounds like a great plan. Viv, thank you so much. I mean, I, we've hosted it this time. It was a great. It was great last time. It's been great again. For those of you who are expecting a fight, sorry to disappoint. Um, but uh, we we had to make it. We had to make our posts exciting, and so I, yeah. I've really enjoyed this. So um, have a great evening, Viv, and yeah. I'm sure we will be speaking again soon. Well, thanks a lot, Sunny. Good night. See ya. Bye.